0: Good morning everybody, uh, my name is Mike Sells and I'm uh, the Director of Adult Ministry and Discipleship here at Center Point United Methodist Church if we haven't met. And as Landon said, you get the B team today, right? The boys are uh, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Tyler and their families as well as the Rosebooms are an annual conference. And, um, I'm going to tell you, I don't know how to start today's message because I can't adequately put into words what I'm feeling right now confusion would probably be the best word broken a little disconnected and definitely sad I was in Gainesville this week visiting my daughter Emma and I wrote this sermon over a couple of mornings when the kids were in bed and I'm going to be honest with you the first version of this sermon was full of humor and joy and encouragement. Then something happened. I got a text from Emma Thursday evening that people had been shot in Ames at that SALT event. See, she found out very quickly because my daughter Emma went to Florida to start a SALT church. And almost immediately after it happened, the SALT company sent out texts for prayer to support each other and encourage each other. And she immediately sent it to me. And there are no words for that. No words for the tragedy of that event or even for how I felt. My first thought was I needed to text my brother in Christ, Jed Wise. Because I know Jed is part of Salt Company in Ames, Iowa. And there Thursday night I sent him a text and God bless him he returned two very long paragraphs explaining what happened but also explaining how he appreciated our friendship for a kid who's 21 years old sent me two long paragraphs I didn't have any words my first word was there are no words that was my first text second text was I love you too I looked online, and on Tuesday, the Washington Post online had a headline. U.S. marks Memorial Day weekend with at least 12 mass shootings. Twelve. Now, they said at least because they didn't know the real count. It was probably more than 12 because some of the shootings didn't make national news. Now initially I met these stories with indifference. I thought, shame on me. They were tragic, but those shootings happened in Texas. My, those happened in Pennsylvania, New York. But this one happened in names. That had connections close to me. And that brought it home for me. I'm not gonna get political with you today not going to get political but i am going to get biblical why because kids are dying most of the stories i looked at it said ages 18 to 21 17 to 24 one kid on the memorial day weekend 9 year old our babies are dying two girls ages 22 and 21, babies. And I'm going to say their names, and my attention, not to alienate anybody. I don't want to anger anybody. And you may think this is wrong, but to do anything less, I think, stains their names. 22-year-old Eden Mariah Montaga Boone and 21-year-old Vivian Renee Flores of West Des Moines were shot in Ames, Iowa at a gathering with other Christians. It's senseless. And of course our thoughts and prayers go out to those families and the families of the gunmen. Because they lost somebody as well. And you got to wonder like, how can all of this relate into Ephesians? Because we're continuing on with our Ephesian studies today. How, how can we bring all this around? Well just as God ordained it, just as the Holy Spirit put it all together. Today in Ephesians 2, we're going to talk about what life looks like before Jesus and without Jesus. We're going to talk about what a child of wrath looks like and what we look like as redeemed sinners. What being alive together with Christ looks like. So let's start. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians 2. You now I'm going to do something a little different today. We're kind of an NIV church, but I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version. Because I think the English Standard Version talks a little bit differently and puts a more poignant point on the tragedy of what these words actually speak. So we're going to start in Ephesians 2. We're going to go through 1 through 10. This is Paul talking. And you... He's talking to the church in Ephesus, but he would also be talking to us. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. We could say following the course of society. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. He's talking about the spirit of Satan among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But, and here's the hope that we need to bank on today, God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And listen to this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Would you pray with me? Lord God, may my words be full of grace. May the words that you placed upon my heart bring honor and glory to the mighty name of Jesus. May our hearts be united in mourning the lives of all who were lost. In Christ's name, amen. Now first it talks about the prince, the power of the air, which is Satan. Now I don't know if you knew this, but Satan is actually the prince of the earth. God, our Lord, is king of the heavenly realms and he is king of our hearts but the prince roams around earth he's not the king he's a lowly prince he doesn't have any real power he's spoiled he's bored and his only job is to create chaos and trouble for the king to put doubts in the heart of the people, to put doubts in the power of the king. And these are things that Satan is really good at. And then Ephesians 2.3, the first thing I want to concentrate on, it says, is, "...among whom we all once lived. We were once part of society, and in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath." like the rest of mankind. Here Paul makes two important points. The first is that there was a time in which we all lived in the passions of our flesh. From the time we were born to the time we accepted Jesus into our hearts, we were like everybody else. Everybody else in society who was doing what they want Not feeling regret for their failures, not trying to do better, and living without any accountability. Paul calls them children of wrath. And that phrase is something I'm going to concentrate on right now because I think it really pertains to what is going on right now. One of my life verses comes out of Mark chapter 10. It's, it's, chapter Mark, uh, sorry. it's Matthew 10, 18. And it's when a man falls at Jesus' feet, and he's so thankful for Jesus, and he calls him good teacher. And Jesus replies, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Now I have taken that verse to heart because it reminds me that if Jesus isn't good, neither am I. I struggle with a lot of things just like you guys. And one of them is pride. In fact, that's one of the sins that continually comes up in my life. And for me to live the life that I'm called to be, to be a teacher and a pastor and a husband and a father and a mentor, I had to change the way I think. I can't think of myself as a good guy that sometimes does bad things. No, I've had to flip that mindset around. I'm a bad guy who sometimes does good things. I want to tell you a story. Recently I told that to two people I'm really close to. Two people who aren't Christians. but two people that I'm really close to. And I said, hey, I just you know want you guys to know I'm, I'm, I'm a bad guy who does good things. I know that I need Jesus. I know that I don't get into heaven without him. And they both were awestruck. Mike, I am so sorry. I didn't know you were struggling with that. How terrible that you think that you're not a good guy. You are a good guy. I said, no, man. None of us are. And why? Because Jesus says so. We need God in our lives. We need Jesus who died on our cross so that we can get to heaven why because as paul said before him we were just like everybody else now the word trespasses in verse one is the word trespass means falling away like it's a slip like oh whoops i messed up and then the word sin means to miss the mark like if you're doing archery and you miss the target That's a sin. And both of these terms are used to show our disobedience and our separation from God. These two words, trespasses and sin, are trying to explain that. They give us two examples of how we can be who we are not called to be. We can slip in our daily lives, whoops, accidentally, or we can miss the marks completely, sorry God, I did that one on purpose i lashed out at my wife on purpose i lashed out at my husband i showed anger on purpose and unbelievers those who do not believe in jesus christ forever continue to do so i want to say that again unbelievers continue to live that way they continue to slip and miss the mark but there's a big difference they don't know what we know they continue to be children of wrath and what does the children of wrath look like they don't follow his commands they aren't accountable for their actions It looks like murder. It looks like adultery. It looks like abuse and lying and all of the sexual sin that we see on media that we're inundated with every single minute of our lives. It's drunkenness. But it's also pride that I struggle with. It's also gossip that we all struggle with. I don't have a Facebook account. And forgive me, I know there can be some good things on Facebook. Seven years ago, I had to delete my account. Because when I looked at Facebook, I didn't see anything good. I saw people being nasty to each other. I saw all sorts of things, and very little of it Brought glory to God. I'm so ashamed of myself. I come in today, and there were a couple people, honestly, who were talking about things they'd seen on Facebook, things that are actually uplifting. And I thought to myself, good, good for them. Because I have a hard time finding it. And I had to think about my own Instagram account. I only have one account on Instagram. Does what I put on there glorify God? Two posts, Christmas Eve and one other scripture. I'm gonna tell you for me personally, we have the most powerful tool in the history of mankind to show encouragement and hope to people through all of these shootings and through all the bad things that are going on. And until I figure this thing out, I'm not posting another thing on Instagram. Until I figure out how I can glorify God, I'm not doing it. Until I know that my account brings God glory, until they know that I am a Christian, and they know that I can spread the hope of Jesus to the rest of the world, until I figure that out, I'm not doing it. Because we know something they don't know. We have a hope. Children in the say, there's nothing wrong with getting drunk. Oh, have sex with whoever you want. Say whatever you want to on social media. It doesn't make you a bad guy. You're a good guy. Oh, and by the way, all the success in your life is you. You're the king of the world. No accountability. And if someone angers you, it's okay to shoot them. To say all that's baloney. There's only two things that make us different than the world. Now, biblically, I'm going to tell you there's only one, but I'm going to add a second one. The first thing is I think we feel accountable for our actions. Believers have the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us that holds us accountable for our actions. We feel bad for what we do, and we try and do better. It's not biblical, but I think we can agree with that. Now, really the only thing that's different than us is Jesus Christ. All right? I'm going to say that again. The only different from us in society is Jesus Christ. And it comes up next in verse 5. It says, God, being rich in His mercy, because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved. Rich in His mercy. Great love for us. We are alive in Christ together with Christ. I think it's always to put... It's important to put ourselves in the shoes of first century Jews, right? Because this letter came out in first century, and it was written to the church in Ephesus, some of which who were Jewish people. Now, they've been awaiting the Messiah since Moses, and they all failed to see the fulfillment of the Scriptures in Jesus Christ. They were still living to the letter of the law and believing that salvation is through good works and obedience to the law, which is impossible. And even though Paul spent two years in Ephesus, he still needed to bring that message home. He needed to remind the Ephesians that there's nothing we can do to win salvation in God's eyes. There are not enough good deeds that we can do. Now in my mind, I know that fact. I know there isn't anything I can do, and yet I have a hard time saying no. There have been too many times in my life that I have overextended myself and my time and my commitments, and I ended up being really unhappy. Now it was all good stuff, right? In my, seal to, my zeal to serve Jesus, I always wanted to say yes, because we're called to do good works. But it doesn't affect salvation. I can't do enough good things. So I'm still sinful and I'm still bad. And my only redeeming quality is that when Jesus, when God our Father sees me, he sees Jesus glued right next to me. Together with Christ, we're spiritually alive and we've been given the keys to heaven. That is our hope. That phrase, alive together with Christ, is all one word in the Greek. And it basically means that we are quickened together. Or another way to think about it is we are glued together. We are glued together with Jesus. God the Father no longer sees an outsider. He no longer sees Mike the island. He no longer sees two separate pieces of wood at Home Depot. He sees Mike and Jesus glued together. He sees Landon and Jesus. McKenna and Jesus. That's the only way we get the keys to heaven. Because we're still sinners. We're still like the children of wrath out there. But because we accepted Jesus into our hearts, God sees us redeemed and holy. That's the hope. We can never be perfect enough. God knows what perfection looks like because he just has to look at the sun and we are not close to it. The greatest gift that we have received and the greatest that we can give is Jesus, is salvation. We can invite them to church. Mike Taylor, good job. And there's others. We can invite them to youth group. We can invite them a care package with the Bible in it. We can pray for them And we can put stuff on social media. We have the hope. We know what they don't know. I am glued together with Christ. I am one piece together with Him. I want to finish with another story. I want to... Sorry. When I was in Florida, Emma told me about a class she was in. Now, she's going to be a school counselor. And the thought occurred to her, she got tasked to do a semester-long research paper. And while their other classmates were writing about the effects of abuse and divorce on all sorts of things on children and how that affects into their daily lives, She says, I want to talk, I want to do research on hope. Now she posed the question to her class and she says, I know where my hope is. It's in my love and faith of Jesus Christ. But I'm curious, where do you all find hope? And my daughter Emma is like one of the grace-filled people I know. And when she posed that question, I know it was out of love. And curiosity and she wasn't pointing fingers and what she was met with was silence her whole class some of the smartest people in the world doing their masters to be school counselors couldn't answer the question where do you find your hope one of them after moments nobody said anything put something really rude in the chat how come it's only Christians who can be moral she deflected the question because she didn't have an answer she didn't know where her hope was none of them did but well, we do can I get an amen we know where our hope is When we accepted the gift of forgiveness and grace, we became alive together with Christ. God no longer sees us as a dreadful sinner, as a children of wrath. He sees Mike who belongs to Jesus. He sees a man who's going to spend eternity in heaven and only because I'm attached to Jesus. We've received our hope and we need to spread it. That's on us. Some of you may have heard the Great Commission. Go out and make disciples of all the nations, baptize. We know it. It's on us to spread the hope. And do you think people out there need hope right now? Heck yes. I want to ask you a question today. I'm going to finish with this. Are you sure you're Jesus's? Do you remember the moment you called him Lord? Do you remember the moment you gave him life? Do you remember when you accepted him to Jesus? Now, I know some people, some people who I love dearly, some people who are super mature in their faith, have said, you know, I can't really remember a defining moment. It just kind of happened. And in the past, I didn't say anything. Because I know these people. They're mature Christians. Of course, they love Jesus. But I feel like I have to say something today. I'm going to liken it to a couple of things. First, for those of us who are married, we know the date we got married. I had to write it down so I didn't forget, but I know it. August 21st, 1993. Thank you, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Nick, too. Nick and Beth got married on the same day. I knew the exact moment. I didn't say, Uh, oh, we dated. We just kind of grew into it. We know the date. Secondly, those of us that are graduated high school or college, we remember the day we got our diploma. The day we finished school. We don't just say, well, you know, I went to class. I just kind of tapered off. I think I finished. I'm sure I finished. I want to ask you today, have you given your life to the Lord? If you can't answer anything but a confident yes, don't wait. You've got to make sure. I love you all too much for you not to be sure. Whether it's a recommitment in your chair and you say, Lord God, I don't want to be a child of wrath. I want to be glued to you. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Or if you haven't done it at all, I want to invite you to come up here with me afterwards. Don't leave it to chance. Do not leave it to chance. You want to know why? Because things are not going well out there. If you haven't given your life to jesus find one of us find your spouse go home do it here say the sinner's prayer accept jesus into your heart so you know the date june 5th 2022 and you know that you call jesus and lord and you stop being a child of wrath and you become glued to jesus christ so that we have the hope that they don't they don't know we know Do it today. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God, hear our hearts. Hear our hope. Hear our sadness for all those that are dying, being murdered on the streets, or abused, Lord God. All of the sins that we can think of or can't even think of, Lord God. We pray that We are the light of Jesus, Lord God, that we show people what the hope is. Because we know and they don't. Lord God, as we leave here today, I ask that you bless all these families and bless these people. Let them meditate. Have they accepted you as their Lord and Savior? Have I accepted you as my Lord and Savior? There is no tomorrow, Lord. There's only today. We are only guaranteed today. We thank you for your son who has died on the cross for us, that we are no longer children of wrath. We are together alive with him. We do this in Christ's name. Amen.